0: we want to read. Well, we may eventually get through the whole chapter, but just to start us off, let's just look at the first 10 verses of Genesis chapter 1. We've begun a study, and I'll say more about this in a moment, concerning the Holy Spirit. And this morning, uh, we want to begin looking at some of the work or activity of the Holy Spirit, and uh, let's begin reading at verse one of chapter one of Genesis, down through verse ten. These are God's words for us this morning, and here's what God says: In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and the earth, and the earth was without form and Void and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, "Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate from the, uh, the from the separate the waters from the waters." And and God made the expanse and separated the waters were gathered together. He called seas, and God saw that it was good. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. Your word is forever. It's true. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. We would pray, Father, that you would now, in our moments together, as we consider this word, that you would teach us your word. change us, give us a whole new way of looking at ourselves and our world from Your Word this morning. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen. We're taking seven weeks to think through some of the things that the Scriptures teach us concerning the Holy Spirit. Last week, we started by looking at who is the Holy Spirit we noted that the Holy Spirit is not a mere force, but He's a person, a divine person. And, uh, he's the third person that comprises the Godhead of the one true God. And now, this week, I, 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 I begin really the, the, the work of thinking through what does the Holy Spirit do? And I, I ask the question this morning... Where was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? And I and I ask that in a sense, just a bit mischievously. So, because I know on the one hand there is there is much emphasis upon the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and yet it is it is not correct to assume that that the Holy Spirit. Is, is a later addition to the Godhead, that he somehow just shows up on the scene in the New Testament miraculously. While the ministry of the Holy Spirit is more, by, by, by the sheer force of the, of, of the Scriptures, more, more accentuated in the new covenant that Jesus inaugurated through his shed blood, the person and work of the Holy Spirit is no less crucial in, uh, in, the, in the work leading up to the new covenant. In fact, if any of us know anything at all about the Holy Spirit, we're more apt to know something about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in God's work of redemption and salvation. But we may be less familiar with the Holy Spirit's role in the work of God in creation and in sustaining that creation. Now, last week, by way of introduction to the Holy Spirit, we said that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Our one true God, the Scriptures teach us, is comprised of three distinct persons. They are distinguishable and distinct from each other, and yet they are indivisible, ...from each other as the one true God. They are indivisible in in their relationship to each other... ...and they are indivisible in their work as well. In other words, of each of the works of God... ...all three members of the Godhead are engaged in each of the works of God. Creation, providence, revelation... Redemption and consummation, and yet each person plays a distinct role in each of the works of God. Now, this morning, for the moments that we have together, I can't cover uh, all aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. What I want to do is I want to just touch on two uh, works of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that we find laid out for us in the Old Testament. God's work of creation and God's work of providence. Now, each member of the Godhead is involved in, in each of those works, and yet we will take a particular emphasis upon the work of the Holy Spirit in each of these works. What do I mean by creation? Well, what I mean by creation is that everything that is not God, God is eternal... That which God creates is not eternal. God is in no way dependent upon, or God is in no way lacking something for which creation requires. God to be complete or full. In other words, God existed perfectly happy and, and dependent upon nothing outside of His own being for all eternity. And yet in a, in a moment of time in existence, out of nothing other than His own being, God created all things. What do I mean by providence? The God who made all things is the God who sustains and preserves, who cares for what He made and who governs what He made. All of creation that He made, He is bringing it about to its intended goals and purposes. God is the owner. He is the the one who... Originates all that has been made, and he is the one who operates all that has been made. Two things I want us to look at this morning. The first one is found primarily in what we've read this morning from Genesis 1. I want us to look at the Holy Spirit's role in the origins of creation. And then for a little bit, we'll look at the Holy Spirit's role in the operations of creation. First, where is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? The first page. And depending on which translation you're using, if for instance, if you have the NIV... It's not only in the first page, but it's in the first sentence of the first page. Now, the ESV takes those three clauses and makes them three separate sentences. So in the ESV, the Holy Spirit is on on the first page, third sentence. In the NIV, he's on the first page, still the third clause of the first sentence. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here's this, in a moment in time... uh, God creates all matter and, and, and yet the assessment of it in what I have is verse two is that the earth was without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep so so God created all things and and yet all things are are, are not fully structured or. Formed or filled or productive as of yet. It says there, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So where's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? He's right there on day one, ready to go to work. The... the, the, the the imagery that we see here is the spirit is hovering over the face of the waters. It's really the imagery of a of a bird, uh, a, a kind of flying over, doing a flyover. And it, it, this this word hovering only occurs one other time in the first five books of the Old Testament, which is kind of a unit of study, if you would. It's called the Torah or Pentateuch: Genesis, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And what's interesting, this is just a beautiful arrangement here. So here, the word hovering in reference to the Spirit is used in Genesis 1, uh, and it's also used in Deuteronomy chapter 32, so almost at the very end of the first five books of the Old Testament. And, and there it's used in, in, in speaking of the creation of Israel. And, and God's Spirit is likened unto a bird that was hovering over Israel, creating them and preserving them. And yet, what Israel is learning is that the very true God who created them as a people, who is preserving them, hovering over them as a people, is guess what? He not only did that for Israel, but He is the one true God who has done that for all created things. Now, a a pop quiz, a a trick question here. Which member of the Trinity is involved in the work of creation? Uh, All of them. And, and, And even what we noticed last week that some of the distinct roles that they play, even though they're indivisible, is that the Father initiates... All that occurs, the Son mediates all that occurs, and the Spirit completes or culminates all that occurs. And I think just, we could apply that same uh, Trinitarian template upon the work of creation. The Father, it's His will, His desire to order a universe which comes to us uh, uh, by the word of His Son, uh, at, at, at which the Spirit hears the word of the Son and and then does the work uh, ordered by the word of the Son by the decree of the Father. Or, as we speak about God's work of creation, God is the architect. Uh, Christ is the acquisitor, uh, the one who acquires the materials. I I, I worked all week on that word, but... uh, it acquisition but turn that into it anyway so anybody know how to say that word i obviously don't right now but but then the holy spirit is the artisan the builder of creation so creation comes from the father in the son by the holy spirit all that is called into being in Genesis one one is called into being by the royal decree of the Father and by the verbal verbal orders of the Son, and and yet in this initial state of of this glob or mass of material it is it is without form and and void. It is not fully formed. It is not in its final state. It is not in a state of production. It is not filled. Darkness inhabits it, and yet it's the Spirit of God, I would suggest to you, that by the decree of the Father and by the the verbal orders of the Son, it is the Spirit who who is the boots on the ground, who is hovering over the waters, who is going to Form what is formless and fill what is void. As per Father's decree, as per Son's orders, it is the Holy Spirit who is the artisan, who is the builder. He is turning creation into a well ordered, hospitable, beautiful, fruitful home. The Holy Spirit is hovering over this unformed and unfilled mass. And the Holy Spirit is cherishing it, cherishing it, organizing it, fruitifying it. So that the, 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 the will of the Father, as per the spoken orders of the Son, is carried out by the work of of the Holy Spirit. And we, we noticed then, even in the, the, the first three days, the days uh, that really are the days of taking that which is formless and adding form or structure to it. Separating day and night, separating heavens and earth, separating land and waters. And then, days 11 and following are the, are the days of filling. That which is now formed up and structured now needs to be filled. And, it, and when I say filled, not just something put there, uh, but spirit worked processes to, to make that which is now being filled uh, fruitful in how it is going to subsequently fill the earth. For instance, look at verse 11. Which is a slightly different descriptive order than what we saw in the first three days. In the first three days, God just kind of fiatly said, let there be. And there was. But now, in a sense, he orders this creation that he's structured to begin doing something. And he says in verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, Yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed according to their own kinds. And trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. We now begin to see the days of populating the days of of filling and, and yet I would suggest to you that that as, as that's the, the decree of the Father and the verbal orders of the Son, it is the Holy Spirit who is going to work in the middle of these processes. What accounts for the fact that now, now the earth is going to sprout vegetation, the earth is going to sprout plants, the earth is going to yield, those, those plants from the earth is going to yield seed, and, that, and those seeds will produce trees, and those trees will produce fruit and And those fruit will in turn produce more seeds that will fall to the ground. It is the the Spirit of God who's not only originating that process, but as we'll see in the moment, it's the Spirit of God that accounts for how that's going to be the ongoing operation in that process. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a late addition to Uh, to the work of God, to the history of this world. From the start, it is the Holy Spirit who is the personal agent of the Godhead who is bringing order out of chaos, who is completing in a beautiful and a fruitful way that which the Father decrees and that which the Son verbally orders. Second, the Holy Spirit's role in the operation of creation. We've just touched on it a bit when I got to verse 11, um, that, 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 that we, we now shift, though, slightly from the Spirit's first great work uh, in the creation of all things to the Spirit's, if you would, daily work in how creation, on this very moment, Operates, how, how, the, how this creation is upheld and sustained and preserved to do what it was ordered to do by the decree of the Father and by the verbal orders of the Son. In other words, we not only reject any notions of, of evolution, uh, of atheistic evolution that accounts for the order and the existence of the universe. But we also reject any notion that, well, God stepped in at one moment and got it started, and then he kind of pulled back and said, I've wound up the clock, now let the clock run on its own. We 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 believe that not only God was the personal agent in in, in the in creation itself, but but we believe that everything on this very day is still operating because of the active presence of the agent of the holy spirit of god right. that the that 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 the earth sprouts vegetation that the plants yield seed and and and, the, and those seeds produce trees and those trees produce, produce fruit which in, inside that fruit is seed and it, each according to its own kind and that seed falls to the ground and then the process repeats itself again. Uh, On the the one hand, Moses is alerting us to the fact that God's the one who originated that procedure, but we're also being told that God is the one who now continually is present as the agent uh, to, to continue that procedure. So on the one hand, we can, since there is a a meaning and a purpose and a and a and a uh, an intelligence that is at the heart of this well-ordered universe. Uh, we can observe the natural phenomenon. We that is that is why the scientific method can work because of a Christian worldview of uh, the origin of the universe and the ongoing operation of the universe. In other words, we, 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 we can look at that and we can, we, we can, we can study that. We can, we can use the, the skills of empirical sciences and observe the, the processes. We, we can observe that, you know what, when the ground reaches a certain temperature, and we're in this season where it does that, uh, then, then the seed in the ground is able to detect Hmm, it's getting warmer down here. And, and, and as the seed does that, then the embryo inside that seed begins to awaken. And as that seed embryo begins to awaken, the protective shell around that seed begins to soften. And the food pack that, that's, that's going to sustain that embryo in its early stages is kicked in to provide nourishment. And before you know it, out from the bottom of that seed pops a root. And then before long, uh, out from the top of that seed pops a stem and it breaks through the the top of the earth. We, we can observe all of that. We can observe uh, how, how the seed uh, works as it does. We can exer- observe that, and that's how it happens with quite consistent regularity. Why? Why can we observe that? We can observe that because... God, the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is still hovering over his creation, making it so. I say that because listen to Psalm 104. Psalm 104 is a beautiful psalm of creation describing just how all of all of the all of life uh, is dependent upon the operational procedures of the Spirit of God, and, and, and animals, and humans, and all things, and the regularity of the seasons, and everything else, and, but he says there, beginning at verse 27 of Psalm 104, speaking of the animals, these all look to you to give them their food in due season, and when, and when you give it to them, they gather it up. And when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. But now listen to this. Because, see, empirical science can say, yeah, we can observe this. We can observe this well-ordered universe, this regularity. We, We can observe the natural phenomenon of how a seed works. But empirical sciences do not get the last word. Because this is not just a naturalistic material world. This world, even though there are natural processes in place that God has put in place, that God's spirit has put in place, this world is not sustained by its own natural processes. This world is sustained and preserved and fruitified by the spirit of God who is the agent that, that sustains these processes. And so he, he says there in verse 29 of Psalm 104, when you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. And then look at verse 30. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. As you head out this afternoon on a walk or a bike ride, and, and you begin to see spring in full blossom, we, that, that should be a, an occasion for worship. Not, 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 not that we are worshiping creation. Not that we have some sort of nebulous mother nature that we think for giving us another spring. No, no, we, we don't worship creation, and yet, as we're observing, particularly this time of year, the beauty of spring, we, we, we ought to be reminded that this world is the theater for which God is to be worshipped. We see his hand. How is it that that seed came back up this year? How is it that that plant emerged from the ground once again? Yes, we can see there's a natural process by which that occurs, and yet that does not provide the fullest explanation because if the Spirit of God withholds His presence from that process, guess what? That process doesn't work. That process is only in play and only workable for as long as the Spirit of God enables that process to ongoingly be sustained. You see, it's it's particularly I would, what I'm suggesting to you from Genesis one, from Psalm one hundred four, particularly verse thirty. It is the presence of the Spirit who is the active agent, the artisan, the builder. I, I don't think it's any fluke that that then later when we got to Exodus chapter thirty-one, thirty-two, when they're building the temple, which the the temple really is a quasi-replica of the garden itself, when when we get to the temple and it being built, we're told that it is the Spirit of God who comes upon the the builders and the planners and the designers, giving them, we're told, the knowledge, giving them the, the skill, giving them the artistry to build a beautiful building. That's what the Holy Spirit does, it, not only in uh, organic creation, but that's what He does in all of the universe today. There's not, a, there's not a thing that's been made. There's not a task that's been completed. There's not a work that's been achieved that, that hasn't owed itself ultimately to... That's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God is the active agent to build, to complete, to beautify, to fruitify this creation. So truly, while we gather in this room on these Lord's Day mornings to worship God, because the Scripture prescribes that we do that, Guess what happens or what should happen or what could happen when we leave out of here this afternoon? After we leave worship, we can go on about our ways of worship. Not in a gathered sense, but in a sense that everything around us, the beauty of this creation, the structure of this creation, the, the order of this creation, the, the, even the accomplishment of these hands, the accomplishment of somebody else's hands is owed to the agent the member of the godhead who is always and actively at work building completing fruitifying producing that's the spirit of god and this universe will stay in that trajectory for as long as the holy spirit of god stands in his place as the agent to preserve the operations of this universe. When he quits, we're in trouble. But I don't think he's a quitter, so that's the good news. In other words, he's bringing it about to its final design and destination. We, we saw, I think we see that even in Genesis chapter 1, 10 times there. Um, the assessment good, 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 good. Good, 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 very good. Was that 10? Yeah. Close enough. And, and I would suggest to you that those verbal assessments are good, are, are labeled good, because those, those are, if you would, work evaluations upon the Spirit of God and the building work that he has done on each of those days and each of those situations. The Father and Son, if you would, look at each other in reference to the, what the Spirit has just implemented, and they're going, that's good. Then when the whole thing's done, it's like, that's really good. Th- that, that, that is owed to the work and the activity of the Holy Spirit of God. He is the giver of life. He is the creator of life. He's the preserver of life. He's the sustainer of life. And this universe not only originates by the building work of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it is an ongoing operation because of the sustaining, preserving, building presence of the Holy Spirit who is the agent behind each of the natural procedures as to why this universe operates in the fashion that it does. And yet, we come up short if that's all we go this morning. In a sense, what we are reminded of this morning is that this is our Father's world. He owns it, He originated it, and He keeps it up and running you and I are living in the house of another. And yet what the Scriptures explain to us is that... and we haven't been very nice house guests. And it would be right for the Father to boot us out of His house. And yet in the kind, merciful, redemptive work of God... Father, Son, Holy Spirit... They have made a way for you and I to not simply be guests in this Father's house, but for us to be well-loved children in this Father's house. And that comes as the Spirit of God opens our eyes and shows us what Christ has done on the cross with, for us and with our sins who Christ now is as risen Lord. And by the Spirit, we are then united to Christ by faith so that the creator of this world is now the Father who deeply loves us. In the face of this world that's been made, as impressive and beautiful and preserved as it is, You and I are here this morning by the preserving hand of God that we might, in breathing our next breath, exhale it in a way that confesses that Jesus is Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word is at work in our hearts and lives, teaching us, instructing us, showing us the wonderful works that you have done and in particular, what your Spirit has done, but then showing us all of this creation is so that we might find our Savior. So, Father, I pray that that as we leave out of here this morning, we leave out of here by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, even as we rehearse a bit of the basic truths and realities of this gospel that rescues people like us. Oh, Father, may we trust and love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all that we are, all the days of our lives. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you're able, let's stand and sing together.